Hey everybody, welcome again to The Tradescast. It's a podcast dedicated to everything in the world of entertainment for your enjoyment. My name is Jeff Bob. And I'm Tom Moss, and this is The Tradescast for the week of April 23rd. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. Here we are in the old April. Um, I know, I know. Well, you know the summer for film starts in in May, and uh, it will be fascinating. But of course, we've already started with our summer blockbuster, the uh, Fast Furious 8, Fate of the Furious, Furiously Furious, is going to break a billion (laughs) dollars that quick. Um, So, lest you think that... um, that anybody's gonna uh, run out of gas there without um, Paul Walker. Uh, I, see, apparently. I see what you did. I see what you did there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty fascinating, um, and uh, obviously it's not the biggest news. Uh, the biggest news, and we, everyone knows it, is Bill O'Reilly um, basically being pushed out. And I said this, and I was certainly not a genius to say this. Uh, I said immediately. I wonder how fast he'll end up with a podcast. Um, and it looks like, uh, I'm going to say four hours, Tom. Yeah. Is that something yeah. about? <laughs> now, <laughs> did he, um, did he have a podcast before? Is he returning to podcasting or is this a brand new venture that he's, he's put together so immediately? Um, I, uh, I believe he had a podcast, but now, of course, it will be the only place to get him. Right. The no spin podcast. Now, but, I don't. Uh, I don't mean this to sound disrespectful. I honestly don't. But do you think that his audience from Fox TV will follow him to a podcast? That is a really, really good question. Um, the um, uh, the only person that we have to um, to kind of uh, you know look for an example is Glenn Beck. Uh, right, uh, Glenn Beck is on TV for a long time. He finally pushes the envelope too far. He goes to a podcast. He certainly has an audience. Now, Glenn Beck is a very odd um, bird, <laughs> uh, but but partly because he appears to have changed a lot of his feelings. No, I'm not. I, I said that wrong. He appears to have pretended to change a lot of his feelings. I, I well, no he's, moderated. He he, he's moderated. He's moderated some, right? And yes, uh, he has said. Uh, some positive things about Barack Obama and a lot of negative things. He has never veered, by the way, on his negativity toward uh, Trump, which is interesting. And I think it actually won him fans, which is weird. Um, but it always made me believe that, yes, indeed, it was always an act because he's appeared to. He doesn't do crazy much anymore. Um, so anyway, the answer to your question is he appears to be making a living. I don't think Bill O'Reilly is going to have any problems making a big fat living on a podcast, but yes, I don't imagine immediately we're going to see four or five million people uh, a night. But I, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think I'm not worried about him. I think he's going to be fine. So um, you know, I want to make that perfectly clear. But I don't think four <laughs> million people are going to follow him to podcasting, and no one expects that. Now the next question is: Will four million people, or what is what is the million of people that will stick around for Tucker Carlson? Uh, that again, that remains to be seen. But I would say uh, that he'll lose half the audience. Um, now, this is pretty people who are pretty ingrained in their TV habits 
don't change quickly, so it is possible he retains 75 or 80%. Trevor Noah, who I, I made very clear I didn't like at first, who I do like now, I kept giving him a chance, and he did grow on me, and I think he improved dramatically, um, has basically retained the bulk of the John Stewart audience and, and found new and younger uh, viewers. So Tucker Carlson may bring in some younger viewers. That is not the way I would have gone. I heard many people say this, that that young lady from, what was it, from The Blaze, uh, Tommy, is that her name? I always get it wrong. But the blonde woman who uh, who causes a lot of problems. <laughs> oh, 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 the blonde woman on Fox TV? No, the woman who should be on Fox TV. Ah, uh, okay. The woman who's caused all the problems with her, with her crazy podcast and, and then got fired. Uh, and, and I think that she is what Fox is really looking for, like a firebrand uh, in her 20s. You know what I mean? Mm. Not your typical blonde fox woman, but the one who is just like, take no prisoners mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what they ought to be looking for. So, so, but, but the question becomes, does Bill O'Reilly try other avenues? If I was serious, I'd probably build a whole channel around it. Right. Uh, to be honest, he's just that popular. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's a lot easier to get people to go to serious maybe than to go to the podcast. So I heard this analysis, Jeff. I want to see what you think of it. So the the common wisdom is that with 50 advertisers, major advertisers fleeing his show, uh, actually three theories. The Murdochs had no choice but to replace him. The second theory is that, yes, but it was really about uh, carriage carriage fee negotiations that were upcoming. And the third theory, is, well, okay, four theories. The third theory is that yes, but also because of the um, the Murdoch purchase of Sky TV, that this this case was affecting that. And then the fourth uh, theory is that this is um, uh, evidence that there is uh, turmoil inside the the, uh, the 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 Murdoch realm. So, which of those do you think you put more more uh, stock in? Uh, any, all, some? I think you can easily say that all of those have some credence. Um, but I do believe that at the end of the day, people who run a good business know when a ship is starting to sink. Not when it's sinking, but like when the iceberg is up ahead and say, let's go. We, we're going to hurt for a little bit and win in the long run. Um, Let me and, add- you know, NB- NBC, can have, mm. remember when NBC just couldn't make up their minds about The Tonight Show? And then yes. at one point, I think someone finally said, this is insane. We just have to let it go. And of course it worked. So what were you going to say? Well, all, all, um, all media outlets uh, evolve, right? And so you remember when, uh, when we were growing up, or I'll speak for myself, when I was growing up, uh, MTV actually played uh, music videos. Uh, and that changed throughout the 90s. And now I have no idea what they do because I haven't heard anything about MTV for a long time. Uh, so do you see Fox TV evolving in that same way so that they, they, they might moderate? I don't think they'll ever become a liberal outlet. Don't get me wrong. But um, that they, that they uh, would stop becoming sort of the Trump state TV and start becoming something more competitive with CNN? Uh, no. They'll never do that. That's not their audience, and they can't go get that audience. Uh, they have a really solid audience, albeit aging. I think they're trying to find the younger, disaffected ones um, that were uh, that voted for Trump. Well, the way to <clears throat> the way to do that is to um, to, to put uh, uh, Richard Spencer and his ilk. 
uh, on primetime. Are they going to do that? Uh, it is entirely possible. Uh, I think that uh, that's the that is the direction that they're going. So, um, so anyway, Tommy Laren, that's who it is. Tommy Laren. I couldn't for some reason I couldn't think ah. of her last name. That's who. That to me, that could be the face of the new Fox. Um, incredibly popular podcast, reaches a massive audience. Many of them young. I think that's the way to go. But I do not see them going anywhere. Uh, left of where they currently are. I see them going further right than where they currently mm. are. So that's interesting. Just, that's just my belief. Um, but I'm most curious to see what their ratings are with Tucker Carlson. So, uh, please come back. We will, uh, we'll check. Um, uh, Tom, there's a couple things I wanted to go over with you. But first, I want to talk a little bit about, um, bows. Are you wearing a pair of bows right now, Tom? I am not. What am I wearing? I'm wearing a pair of uh, no, no, uh, uh, Heiser headphones is what I'm wearing. Well, Heiser Bluetooth headphones. Well, I bought it. I bought a used pair of Bose from somebody. They're great, you know. Um, but apparently, <clears throat> if I wear them now, uh, I'm being spied on. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, my question to you is, does this freak you out? Does it offend you? Or do you just mm-hmm. think that for the most part, this is already happening with almost anything that you're using? Well, the deal is these are uh, Bluetooth speakers that Bose makes that you actually have to download an add-on feature that um, that that gives you some some more features to the headphones, but also allows um, information to be reported back to Bose. Um, you know, we report information back to all sorts of people. I'm sure re- I'm reporting things back to Yahoo and and um, and AOL and um, uh, GeoCities uh, right now. You know, all of the all of the um, the, uh, the, uh, the the websites that I use frequently. Um, the question is, um, did do people are people fully aware that uh, the the information that is being reported back to Bose is being sold to um, to third parties? And, and and that is the class action suit that is currently moving forward in Chicago. Now, I mean, apparently, arguably, no, people were not aware of that. Um, now, so there, so there's the legal case of it. Um, the the ethical case, um, Jeff, I guess, goes to our current uh, our current understanding of what privacy actually means in this age. Do you care that um, uh, Bose knows that uh, you are a, um, a huge Peter Allen fan? Um, maybe, um, maybe not. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Right, well, I'm not really a Peter Brown fan, but of course, if I was, <laughs> I wouldn't really care if anybody knew. Listen, I think most people just want transparency. Most people don't really care about stuff like this. They just want some transparency. And what we're getting, and this administration is making it clear that they don't think that you need to be transparent if you're one of these companies. Um, but I think most people don't mind. It's the 15 pages of click I agree that people don't read. But they ought to have to make it clear, like we're using your information for this, or we are aware of your, you know, dealings online like this. Then at least people would be able to, and then and then you should be able to opt out of it. Um, you know, like don't sign up, and you won't have this happen to you. Um, but I think most people don't care, but they don't like being lied to or misled. Where would you stand on? This? I think that's generally generally true. I mean, I think the thing that, that, that always comes up in class action suits like this is, yes, for the most part, it's innocuous. But what if 
I have um, AIDS, and I'm listening to AIDS pod, podcasts, and that you can you know, discern by what I'm listening to some some um, otherwise HIPAA protected facts about me, or uh, some you know uh, uh, maybe criminal activity for that matter. Um, I guess I would care if I was a mobster and I was listening to a mobster podcast. Maybe I would care. Uh, I think those are outliers generally. I think I agree. I think, um, you know, the, the argument is if you're not doing anything that anybody would be interested in, what are you worried about? Um, but I think that's also, and, um, you know, this is a very hard, hard, uh, this, this is in fact a slippery slope, but it's a slippery slope. Um, perhaps that, uh, that we might not want to start down. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm. Yeah. One thing we always know, the thing about slippery slopes is this. We don't usually slide down a lot of them. But somebody is going to slide down. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well put. <laughs> so um, I, I, this reminds me, by the way, of when the Patriot Act first was, uh, you know, coming out, and it was this whole idea that you could find out exactly what everybody was checking out at the library, and they, uh, you know, and everybody there was a huge uproar. Like, hey, you should not be able to know what I, you shouldn't be, you know, delving into my library habits. It's none of your business. Um, and then, of course, the thought is, well, who cares? You know, if you see that I'm reading Huckleberry Finn, who cares, right? So it's. I, I think that we have always found, and you will see this, the more frightened we are about whatever's going on, the more we're willing to give up these things. Right. And the less frightened we are, the, the more annoyed we get. But we are definitely going to watch this. Believe me, there are a lot of watchdogs out there, and which is why we're hearing about these things. But um, they're going to keep trying. Well, it reminds me of the uh, the uh, the. I think it was the Franklin quote that those that are willing to trade liberty for security deserve neither. Isn't that something like that? I believe it is like that. Um, so I want to I want to turn to film for a minute. Um, I I have found this to be a fascinating uh, topic um, for reasons that uh, may you may not find fascinating, but um, James Cameron finally announced legitimately there have been fake announcements but legitimately announced when the avatar sequels are going to happen at tom um now you may not remember because i think you were pretty young back mm. then but the original avatar came out in 2009 mm-hmm. 2009 mm-hmm. okay they originally said a sequel would happen in about 2014 then 16 then they were pretty sure it would happen in 18 the next Avatar movie will happen in 2020, <laughs> December of 2020. The one after that will be 2021. Then 2024, and hold on to your hats, he switched from three sequels to four. And the last one is scheduled for 2025. Now, Tom, <laughs> I, I will give him this. Avatar is the largest grossing movie of all time. Even Star Wars could not overtake Avatar. Okay, and we're talking about it from a couple of years ago. This Avatar's numbers are just so big from 2009. But, and I believe Avatar 2 will be a massive, massive hit. But a, a lot of people are starting to question if he's just so far behind the times or so many people have caught up to the things that he was doing that after the initial, like, wow, he came up with new things, wears off, everyone remember that the story for the original Avatar is terrible. Right. And the script is awful. Right. I mean, and I'm a James Cameron fan. It's awful. So I, I, my prediction is, and I know we're a ways off, that the first one will be a huge hit, and then they will get progressively less popular. 
What do you think? Do you think it's already... Some people think that they'll all just be a bomb, and then some people think, nope, it'll just ride the Avatar wave, even though no one talks about Avatar anymore. Well, it's lightning in a bottle for a second, third, fourth, and fifth time. I don't think... Uh, I don't... I. I, if I were betting on it, I would say I would disagree with you. I don't think Avatar 2 is going to be a huge hit. I think there will be plenty of people that see it, but I don't think it will be an, a sensation. And I think the the rest will fall off the face of the earth. Um, I assume that they are making them all at once and that they are going to they are. release them on the schedule. So it's not as if they will abandon the project. And I think it will it'll be fine. It will be, it'll be a big movie. But in terms of... of um, of competing with itself, with its, with its, uh, with its original. I don't see it happening. I, I may be wrong, but I look back on that and I, I remember going and, and being awestruck, gobsmacked by how beautiful it was and then completely forgot about it because there was, as you said, nothing interesting about the plot whatsoever. No, it's a, it is an unbelievably bad, bad plot. Uh, and, and so derivative, right? What did it? What did it draw on? It was uh, it was a little bit of uh, Fern Gully, uh, any number <laughs> yeah. of things. The American history. Right. Uh, what do you want? I mean, the thing's just a steal. It's just a it's just a ripoff. Yeah. So uh, it's a ripoff of the indigenous people of America. I don't know what to tell you. The whole thing's a ripoff. Uh, but I but I am excited. December twenty twenty. So mark your calendars. All right. Um, now speaking of, of films uh, trying to break ground. Uh, there is a film called Broken Night. There's no reason you should have ever heard of Broken Night. It's not a full-length feature, um, but it is premiering right now, or you know, basically this week um, at a at, I believe the Tribeca Film Festival. This is a virtual reality film, and it also has multiple plot lines. These are two um, things that I keep reading in trade stories that are going to be the future. One, this idea of having multiple plot lines, meaning you can choose, like a choose-your-own-adventure book. And two, virtual reality, meaning it's a 360. You can walk all around in the room, do all these things. Now, there are legitimate stars in this. Emily Mortimer is in this film. Um, it's a, it's not a cheap film, but it's a very short film. Um, and supposedly many features are being made like this right now, either virtual reality or a choose-your-own-adventure. Do you honestly think, Tom, that five years from now we're going to talk about this trend exploding the way 3D reemerged right before, during, and after Avatar. Yeah, I don't want to say no, Jeff, because I feel like I'm. I, I, it's like you know, you, we just came back from the jazz singer, thinking that this uh, this talky craze is just going to pass uh, within a couple of months. Um, I don't. I don't see. I want to say no. I don't want to say no, but I want to say no because I just don't see. How this could supplant um, uh, traditional narrative? Because I don't think it's just about the the gimmick. I mean, I think it's the gimmick itself can feed whatever the whatever the the, the storyline can hold. Um, but if it's just a gimmick, then uh, I don't I don't see how it sustains. Now that said, um, you know, let's give it a shot. I you know we should go see this show and then now is it see this is I'm starting to sound like my grandpa here. Is it is this something you go see? Is it something that is delivered? I actually don't know. I'm not sure how they're doing this. I the, the only virtual reality screenings they've ever had were people in a room wearing a device, which is I think mm-hmm. was what's going to happen. Um, but also choosing your own adventure. See, I, I have argued for years that the reason movies continue to sell tickets at the clip that they do is because it's a social experience. That you can watch it at home, but that you go with your friends. 
And I always joke that the original movie-making device was made by Thomas Edison. It was a peep show. And I always say that the reason it couldn't be popular is because you could only watch it by yourself. You know, you just looked into a viewfinder and you watched the film. And um, I just don't know how this becomes incredibly popular. I just don't know how Steven Spielberg's going to make one of these. But having said that, I think Steven Spielberg is going to make one of these, or someone like that is going to make one of these. I just don't know if they take over or if it's just one of those things that's like two or three get released a year. I agree. I, I don't see, I mean, I abs- absolutely 100% agree with you about the social experience. Uh, I think if it's just about the movie, I mean, we've, we've talked be- about Golden Pond before and, and how, um, how uh, movies like Golden Pond are still being made and, and being made probably better than ever, but they're just not being, they're not drawing audiences to the theater. Uh, what's drawing audiences to the theater are Fast and Furious movies and, uh, you know, uh, movies for kids and movies for kids with cars. And um, I don't see how this will play in any sort of social place. Now, that said, that may not be the point. So we've got to figure out uh, exactly what this what this thing is. And, and um, you know, maybe I can say something more intelligent about it. But uh, I, I don't see it, but there's a lot I'd, I haven't seen. Right. I believe it's getting already co-opted pretty heavily by the porn industry. So if it goes nowhere but the porn industry, it will probably still be wildly successful, just not with a mainstream audience. Yeah, I don't know anything uh, about that. Okay. Um, Just turning to TV for a minute, I want to check in a couple weeks the NBA playoff um, ratings. They are doing really well, which is fascinating because the NBA regular season uh, ratings were way off. So uh, a lot of people think that the regular season is becoming almost irrelevant. So that's kind of fascinating, and we should talk about that in a couple of weeks. And just to close, uh, obviously everyone knows Aaron Moran from Happy Days and Joni Loves Chachi uh, died. This was not a a major stunner for anyone who knows that she's had a tremendous amount of personal turmoil for, you know, decades. The thing that I found fascinating about that, Tom, is that uh, as that show goes – Pretty much everyone, not that people really respect Scott Bale, but it's not like anyone else fell on their face and did horribly or fell apart. You know, some people were not that successful anymore and kind of found other careers. But it's interesting how that that show was almost scandal-free, but then one person just never right. just never recovered. Um, so any thoughts on Aaron Moran before we close? No, I mean, I, we, we should say that the cause of her death has not been released, so we don't know what it was, but, um, but that doesn't change the fact that she didn't have a very difficult go of it. Um, you know, I loved that show growing up. It was, um, you know, I think of it, uh, very fondly in my childhood, and, uh, she was a huge part of it, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a sad passing for sure. Yeah, the one thing I think we're always going to take out of this is that while lots of people are child actors and stars who do okay, the percentage of people who are teen stars who end up with terrible adulthoods, the percentage is probably larger than any career that there is. You know what I mean? Any career that is not a child slave labor. Right. Um, so for every every Doogie Howser and Justin, Justin Timberlake, there's uh, many two dozen others that didn't make it. Right, and many of them had really sad lives. So, yeah. um, but uh, but you know, the the best of her as an actress will be there on uh, on digital and video for people to see for a long time. So, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll be back, and Tom and I will be looking. Like I said, I want to look at some of the sports um, ratings and see how they're doing since it's the last of kind of the live era. Uh, the summer films will be taking off, and also summer TV shows. So we'll be checking into that and anything else that pops up in the world of entertainment for your enjoyment. So for Tom, I'm Jeff. 
Have a great day.